Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in for episode 54 of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. That is me. I am he. In the words of John Lennon, I am he as you are he as you are me and we are all together. And we certainly are all together here at Perception is Reality. Whether you're listening on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whichever of the podcast hosting sites are your favorite, thank you. Or if you're listening at the home link of perception.fireside.fm, that works as well. Thank you for tuning in and giving me a little bit of your time each and every Tuesday and Saturday It is absolutely appreciated. All right, so what is there to talk about now? What are we going to do now, folks? Well, listen, if you're from Indiana, you're aware that the state of Indiana has just completed a 2019 municipal election cycle where town and city governments elected officials in their communities. If you're not from Indiana, what we've talked about over the last several months will play a role for you in some little way whenever your elections do occur. I know that the ordinances and the laws of each state are a little bit different, but being a good citizen is the same universally wherever you're at. So there is value in these episodes for you. However, what we're going to be talking about and dealing with over the next couple episodes and really the next several months will have a lot more impact on everyone who listens, whether you're from Indiana or not, because being a good citizen is universal. Listen, I know that laws and ordinances are different from state to state. Like I said, I've said that many times. But being involved, being engaged, getting active, keeping your officials accountable, that's the same wherever you live, or it should be. And if it's not, then you need to ask yourself, why is it not, and what can I do to overcome this? So... Over the next several episodes, we'll be starting a civics course, really, a block of episodes dedicated to the study of civics and just what it means to be a citizen 
in America. Civics is the study of the rights and duties of citizenship. That's what the focus will be over the next couple months as we go into the holiday seasons and as we gear up for the 2020 election, both nationally and on a state and county-wide level. And you might ask why that's important. Well, that's the whole crux of why I'm doing this show, because we're trying to find out how we can be better citizens and how we can be better informed and how we can better engage with our officials, both on the local, the state, and the national level. And so that's the point of all of this. And I want to make it clear, there's more to being a good citizen than worrying what's happening during an election. Because when you go to the poll and you push your button for your candidate, if that candidate wins or if the candidate loses, your obligation is not over there. You have to follow that vote. If your vote makes a candidate win, if your candidate wins because you're part of the votes that that candidate he or she received, then you have to make sure that you did the right thing. You have to make sure that that person is doing the best that they can to represent you and your fellow citizens to the best of their ability. Okay? If you vote for a person and they're not doing the best, well, then you need to call that person on the carpet and you need to get an understanding. And if they don't get it in check, then you need to vote them out, and that's easy. If you vote for somebody who doesn't win, then you just keep up the good fight. What I'm telling you, folks, is the fight is never, ever, ever over. Never. It's always an ongoing thing. Bettering local government through citizen involvement or bettering government period through citizen involvement is an ongoing process because someone has to be there to keep the current government in check and make sure that they're not getting too big for their britches. And I'm not saying that's a possibility anywhere and I'm also saying it's a possibility everywhere. So you just have to be on your guard. Head on a swivel, folks. That's what I like to say. Keep your head on a swivel. And that's going to help you when you're dealing with all of these folks. And what it means is stay alert. Stay involved. Keep your head in the game. Because it doesn't take long to fall down the rabbit hole and to start falling asleep again and not paying attention. And that's something that cannot happen once you get to this point. Once you're involved, you need to stay involved. It's not that hard. So, we're going to be talking with business people in the community coming up here. We're going to be talking with citizens. We're going to be just focusing on communities as a whole. And something that we're going to be looking at as we move forward into 2020 is going to be adding a second voice to the microphone for this audio podcast. And that's right. We're going to be doing that to 
take a little bit of the weight off of my shoulders when it comes to putting the show on and getting the information out. But more importantly, I'm doing it to attempt to give a point and counterpoint type of balance to the show because I think that you deserve that. I think it would be good to show different trains of thought, different opinions, different ways of looking at a scenario. Because I want to make it clear, as I've said many times, I am not a reporter. I'm not trying to bring you the information just straight down the center. Yes, I break a lot of news on my two formats, whether it's this audio podcast or the live video episodes. I break a lot of news. I try to bring you as much information hot off the presses before anyone else has it ahead of time as I can. But then I like to comment on that. I like to give you my two cents. I like to give my spin on what's happening after you know what the facts are because that's what I'm good at. I'm good at the political side of it. And the political side means that it's going to have a twist. It's going to have my spin. Now, I'm honest, I'm open, and I give you every bit of information that you need to go out and to verify what I'm saying and determine. If you agree with the facts, as I've stated, and then if you agree with my thought on those facts, then great. And if you disagree, there's no hard feelings. We disagree, and that's what makes the world go round. However, adding a second voice, adding a co-host, somebody that sees things differently than I, will give it a little bit more spice and will give you a chance, that much more chance to agree with at least somebody from Perception is Reality. Because... Whoever I add, and I've got a couple people in mind, I've got a couple people I've spoken to, I've got a couple people who's actually reached out to me, all told there's probably about four or five people that I'm looking at or talking to, every one of them is different politically than I am. And so that will definitely be interesting. Of course, when we talk about local politics... It doesn't matter as much right versus left, but there's still difference of opinions and difference of support in different candidates and and this and that. So that will be interesting. But then as we go into national politics, which, let's face it, we are going to do as we move into 2020, then it'll be good to have a, like I said, point and counterpoint. So... As we get ready to move into next year, don't be surprised when you hear Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilberry and, you know, Joe Black, whoever that would be. But we got a lot of things coming up. I've got a couple interviews lined up with a couple citizens. I've got a couple interviews lined up with different officials and folks in the business and political worlds. We have a couple interesting citizen pieces that's not really politically at all. And then, of course, like I said, we'll have the civics course 
and I haven't decided how long of an episode block that will take up, but I will keep you all posted with that. The important thing to keep in mind is we have a lot of information that's going to be valuable for you, and I want to make sure that you are understanding that. That's why I'm taking so much time to talk about what's going to be coming up, because even though the elections are over, there's still a lot of stuff currently going on, and there's a lot to do for citizens who want to be active and want to be involved and want to better their local government by their actions. And there's a lot of people we still need to wake up. Just looking at the turnout, the voter turnout from this last election, folks, everybody's screaming about all the corruption and how pissed off they all are, and still only very few of the voting public actually come out to do anything. So that means there's a lot of work left to be done to make sure that we wake other people up and get them involved and get them understanding how important all of this is. And I know that you guys are all engaged because you're coming back and listening, you're getting out and voting, you're going to meetings, and you're trying to keep your people accountable and transparent, and you want what's right. So it's something that we're gonna have to work together on, and it's something that I'm gonna use this platform to do my very level best to try to improve that. Now, just briefly, I do wanna say a big thank you to all the candidates, all candidates everywhere that decide to put their name on the ballot and run. Whether they win, whether they lose, whether I support them, whether I don't support them, I wanna say thank you to each and every one of them. But more importantly than to the candidates, I wanna say thank you to each and every one of you. Thank you for coming back show after show after show, episode after episode, Tuesday and Saturday. Thank you for all that you do in sharing this information, bringing people to the podcast. It's all for you. Thank you very much. So we're getting ready to come up on a quick break, but before we go, I wanna tease what we're gonna be getting into on the other side of this break. We're going to be talking live with a Muncie, Delaware County citizen, somebody who has been pretty out there in the local political scene here lately, someone who I've been involved with and have been talking to, and that's none other than Audie Barber. I want to talk with Audie here for this episode, episode 54, because I believe in what he's trying to do. He's a Democrat. I'm a Republican. We are on opposite sides of this, but he's trying to better his party. He's trying to get away from the corruption and from the dirty, and he's trying to bring people in who really care about what's going on. And that is right in line with the thought of this platform. And so right on the other side of this break, we're gonna bring Audie on the show, and we're gonna be talking with him and getting his insight and picking his brain just a little bit. You're listening to Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbury. We'll be right back. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. 
My mother was always very active and independent and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Perception. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. All right, well, we are back, and lucky for everyone, I have Audie Barber on the phone. What I've been talking about is just where we're going with the show, and you and I have been talking for, like, the last several months just about people being involved, and what I like about it with you and I is we're coming from different perspectives. And now I grew up in 214. The video that you shot, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, if you haven't watched the video on Audie's Facebook page, it's on my Facebook page. You can go and find one of them there. But the video from 214 or the Democrat headquarters in Muncie that he shot the other night, it was barren right before he got kicked out. Manhandled out of there with uh, John Hampton and uh, the others. You could tell that nobody was there, and that's part of why they didn't want him filming. So you... Audie, have been kind of in a big push to do what? I'm working on bringing the Democrat Party back to the real Democrats. Uh, the 214 members need to go. Uh, you got to get rid of the fills, the mics, uh, the people up there that uh, that have turned our party into a mockery. It's. Uh, I want people to be aware that when I went up there that night, I had no idea on the outcome of the election. Sure. I had no idea who was going to win, lose, draw, or anything. I was up there. There may have been a dozen or so people up in there. And then I went out and, and got some fresh air. Then I turned around and came back upstairs. And uh, uh, there was a Pizza King pizza that had been brought in. And next thing I know, there was a specific candidate that was in there. And... Uh, I think that candidate maybe brought five or six people with her. So at that point, there may have been 17, 15, 17, 20 people in the whole building. And in the past, you would go in that place and you would bump elbows just moving a half an inch. It it used to be a good place to go during the election results. Yeah. Now they've destroyed the party and uh, nobody goes up there anymore. Well, it's not a unity. It's not a united Democrat party now. Absolutely. Real quick, because I've heard a couple people mention, and it's probably important to say, back in May, when you came on the live video episode, one of the episodes that we did back right after the election, May 9th, I believe, you made the statement or the prediction that you felt if Nora won that it would quickly be a 
show put on for everybody where they were trying to say, oh, we're going to bring the party back together, and Nora and Allie and everybody was going to be hugging and crying. And for the record, I want to make it very clear. Audie told me from that day forward that he would be at Democrat Party headquarters on election night. We were going to be someplace else, and I kept saying, hey, you need to come over with us. And he said, nope, I'm going up there. And if that's what they're doing, I'm going to get that. And I'm going to be there to witness it and let other people know that that's what they're doing. And, I mean, our, our big push was to make sure that Nora did not win. I don't think any of us really thought that she was going to lose like she did. We hoped. We hoped that we had uh, tried to push her down and show her in the light that she really is. But, you know, like you, I kind of felt that she would probably win one of the seats and then they would put on some kind of show. So you weren't going up there to rub anything in anybody's face. We thought that we, in my opinion, until I heard otherwise, I thought that she would have won. And I did too. You know, we put on a uh, hell of a defense to keep her from getting elected. Yeah. But everybody deep down inside kind of felt like she was still going to be elected right (laughs) we had people going around telling us she's unbeatable yeah nobody can beat her she's unbeatable she carried the ticket in may and the only thing difference between what happened in may and november was in between that time there was no more indictments or nothing like that um the only thing that had changed was the corruption that Nora was involved in. And when I say the corruption, that's the lying and the uh, the doing whatever she could to make people think that we were lying about her. In all, in all actuality, she was the one doing the lying, and I think the voters realized that, and that's the reason she uh, respectfully finished sixth in the uh, election. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, with when you see the Democrat Party in the shape that it is in, I mean, since 1990-92 when Phil Nichols took the seat on the city council and was the a city councilor and I, I believe at one point he was the, a city councilor, city council president and the finance chair and as big in the Democrat Party as he was, and he rose to become the party chairman, and then, you know, it passed on, and other people were the party chairman, but he was the de facto uh, leader, or the kind of the man behind the scenes pulling the strings. When all that was going on, and, and the Democrat Party was, quote-unquote, in its heyday, I, I don't know, I mean, it's, back then it was probably just as corrupt, but people weren't as wise to it. But they were they had people in... You could not get a seat. If you wanted a seat for results on election night, you had to have somebody from your team or someone go hold a seat before polls were closed, 5 o'clock. And that's the only way that you could get a seat. You would have 10, 15, 20 people with each candidate crowded around tables up there smoking. It was loud. They'd be up there till 11, 12 o'clock in the night kept writing it on the old whiteboard. You'd have them up there with a little speaker. You remember? I mean, you know what I'm talking oh, yeah. about. Yes, exactly. And, exactly. And, and, and they, they would run the totals, and everybody would cheer every time uh, 
a poll, a precinct would close or get the results from a precinct and their candidate was winning. They would cheer all the time. And that's back when the Democrats actually won. Right, right. And and what you had was, to, to get to that point, you had people who would come in and they would make phone calls and you didn't have any problems staffing golf outings and, and tenderloin and, and uh, meals and they would do baked potato bars and all this stuff. And you had people, they turned away help because they had so much of it. And now, you know, you've got a couple old decrepit men running around trying to act like they're the godfather. And you've got, I, I, what I feel like is every time you talk, every time I talk to somebody new, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe that you're saying that about Phil Nichols. Do you know how dangerous and how scary that is? And, uh, you know, I'm like, no, that that's not that scary. I, that's the way I am. Uh, even a, even last year in the uh, county elections, people would have luncheons and people would come up and, and spend 5 or $10 on payday, on city hall payday, and uh, support the candidates and buy lunches. They didn't have any lunches this year. Yeah. There was no lunch dinners for Bailey. There was no lunch dinners for uh, any of them. There was no lunch dinner for Doug Marshall. There was no uh, dinner for uh, lunch date for uh, any of the candidates. And the party has went to hell. Right. Here's what I'm trying to do. Back when this country first became a country, there was this gentleman, his name was George Washington, and he was a single man, and he got tired of the British colony coming over and, and taxing, the, taxing the people, and he started a revolution. He was a one man. And granted, my, I'm not calling myself George Washington, and I'm not saying that this is a revolution as big as the one George Washington was going through. But if everybody would pull together like the uh, founding fathers did and stand up against this corruption and pull together, we can all unite and do away with the corruption, the Phil Nichols, the Mike Whites, the Mike uh, Quirks up there. We can do away with all that and we can bring our party back together, bring them all back together. Absolutely. So what does... Let me ask you this. I don't know that I've ever asked you this. What does being a Democrat mean to you? Like I said, I've said it before. When I was a little boy, my dad ran for Liberty Township trustee. Or I'm sorry, Liberty Township advisory board. And uh, he ran on the Democrat ticket. And I said, why are you a Democrat? And he says, well, I'm a hardworking blue collar man. I am a union member. And that's what the Democrat Party stood for back then. And from that point on, I have always been a Democrat. I'm a hardworking man. I, uh, I'm a blue-collar American. I'm a union heavy equipment operator. So it's more beliefs on how the Democrats used to take care of the uh, their people. Right. You know, they would vote for their people to make sure their people live comfortably and all this stuff. Sure. Now, I want you to know, and this is going to be a little bit of a history for some of you folks out there, but there is a law called the Davis-Bacon Act, okay? This Davis-Bacon Act sets the wages for 
government work being done as far as uh, infrastructure, street work, and all this stuff, highways and stuff like that. And this Davis-Bacon went into effect, I think, back in the 20s, uh, 1920s. 31, 1931. 1931, okay. And uh, from 1931, the Davis-Bacon Act was introduced by the Republican Party. It was a prevailing wage job. It was a prevailing wage set by the Republican Party. Yeah. So the Republicans was actually big defenders of the union back in 1931. Now, along the lines, it changed and the Democrats went more toward the unions than the Republicans did. So, you know, that's the way that works. And and it's still in effect. The Davis-Bacon is still in effect and and that's how we get our wages set sure right wrong or indifferent that's how it gets set and uh so you know it may be it may be a case that i may not be as much democrat as what people think i am but i am well you know and the thing is that when anytime i hear someone say oh all the democrats need to go we need to i will never vote for another democrat again First of all, I, that that is ludicrous to me. I have always, since I first voted in the first primary when I was 17, I could vote when I was 17 because I would be 18 by the time the general election rolled around. And the first time I ever voted, I voted in an election, I believe, for my grandmother, and my grandmother was a Democrat. Uh, so that primary, I actually pulled a Democrat ballot, and I voted for all Democrats because it was a Democrat primary ballot. But in every general election I have ever voted in, which has been all of them since I could vote, I have always cast a split ballot. I go in, I've, I, there have been times I've went in and voted for two people on an entire ballot and left everything else blank. And people say, well, that's stupid. But that's a vote. A vote of no confidence, in my opinion. If you've got two people running and neither one of them are worth a damn and you leave that blank and they count however many, you know, votes they have and there's one missing from both sides, to me, that's that's something that it's a, it's a way to vote. The people who don't vote, there are a percentage of them who say, I don't like this system and I don't agree with it, so I'm not part participating. And while I don't agree with that, that's definitely, that is a vote. Not voting can be a vote. Here's the thing. If we, this is what I believe. We should either all vote or we should all not vote. If, if I could get everybody to not vote, which I would never be able to do that, uh, we could do that because that would let them know, hey, we don't like any of you. And we need something different. And now that would be also a movement as well. But that's not going to happen. So the 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 other the better alternative is getting as many people voting as possible. But you don't need just one party. I'm I'm okay with there being three, four, five parties, Libertarian Green Party, but until people's minds can open up and they can take that, and that might not be for another 50, 60 years. Right now, it's Republican-Democrat across the board. There's still a lot of people who were born in the 40s and 50s. You know, that that's going to be around for quite some time until people can kind of expand. I see 
this third-party stuff happening with a lot of younger people. And one day that might be more prevalent. That's fine. But until we get there, your, your predominant parties are the Republican and Democrat. And it's my belief that you need good Republican candidates and you need good Democrat candidates. And there are good Democrats out there. I know a lot of them. I'm related to some of them. I'm friends with some of them. Just as there are bad Republicans out there, you know, it's not all good one way or another. So what you're attempting to do is to fish through and get the people who really give a damn to say, you know, all right, here's what we got to do. Let me ask you, what, what do you have to do? If there are Democrats that are listening, what's the step to get Phil Nichols and Ali Craycraft and Mike White and Mike Quirk and John Hampton out of there? What, what's the steps that need to go through? Well, if, if Allie would resign, then all we have to do is, is have a caucus and put a new uh, chairman in. Uh, there is a process we can go through with the, uh, according to the Indiana, State of Indiana Democratic Party. If we get 50% of the precinct committeemen to sign a petition, we can remove the chairman. Right. It, takes 50% and $1,000. No okay. big deal. If we can get the 50%, we can get the $1,000 and sure. have that done. Now, the other members of the of the party, it only takes one-third of the commitment to do that. So, if we if we get the half, then we can, you know, the one-third, that takes care of all of them, and then, there you go. You know, Absolutely. You can rebuild the Democrat Party. Here's the thing. You can't say democracy without saying demo, Okay. Yeah. And everybody knows DEMO stands for Democrats. So what we have up there right now is not a democracy. What we have up right up there right now is a dictatorship ran by Phil Nichols, carried out by Mike White and Mike Quirk. Yeah. All it is, it is not a democracy, folks. It is not a democracy. It is a dictatorship. Well, yeah, and talking about Phil Nichols, you can't spell dictator without dick. And so, so I'd <laughs> like to remind everybody of that as well. Right, but exactly. uh, you're exactly correct. So that's why it ha it's important to have the precinct committeemen. People think that that doesn't matter, but your precinct committeemen can really do a lot of good or bad because when you have candidates who might step down or, or, or pass away, unfortunately, in office or become uh, ineligible because they have been convicted of a felony or something like that, if you have to replace a candidate, it's the precinct committeeman of the party of the official that was removed or that vacated the seat. For whatever reason so if you got a republican mayor or a republican counselor or a republican clerk that leaves office or a republican sheriff it's the republican precinct committeeman that does the voting on that if you have a democrat office holder then it's the democrat precinct committeeman and in this year alone there have been two or three different caucuses and in the last i would say eight years in delaware county there have been several you know you look at Mike Scroggins passing away 
and they caucused in Ray Dudley. And you look at the situation with Allison Quirk stepping down from the council. They put in Denise Moore. Then Denise Moore is removed. They put in John Hampton. So this does happen, uh, and it happens. It, it's happened in Winchester uh, on two occasions in the last four years uh, because we had one gentleman pass away and we had one counselor resign her seat. So it does happen, and that's why we need good people in those places. I don't need someone to agree with me or to be on my side or to say I'm a Republican. If you say you're a Democrat, good for you. Be a good Democrat and do what's right for your party. And that's what I'm getting at. I've been a Democrat all my life. I was 18 years old when I first voted. Yeah. You know who the first presidential candidate I voted for was? Who was that? The greatest president probably of all time, William Jefferson Clinton. <laughs> now, that could be one we can probably disagree on there. Right. Christopher, but that that is my feeling. Yeah. Um, but if you take go back over history, the Democrat Party is the oldest party. Absolutely. So if you – we just Googled this up here. And the it's not like I just knew this. <laughs> the The Democrat Party started January eighth, eighteen twenty eight, preceded by the Democratic Republican Party. The Republican Party started March twentieth, eighteen fifty four, preceded by the Whig and Free Soil Party. So you are correct. It is the oldest party of the two. But in Delaware County. It's faded. It's, it's about gone. I think most of the other counties around us put Democrats back in. Well, now, I will tell you this, that in this last election, the Republicans in Indiana, the GOP in Indiana, had a pretty massive Republican sweep. They, they, rece- they received 70 offices... Uh, the mayors and council, they had the, the GOP had a pretty heavy win this go around. But Indianapolis went way Democrat. They have a mayor Democrat. They have a majority on the council that's are, that's Democrat. So, you know, there, there are some big areas that definitely went blue or stayed blue. And so, you know, that that makes sense. But I've heard so many people say, you know, you won't elect another Democrat for decades to come in Delaware County. And that's because of the damage that's been done by a select group of people. And and I hate to say it, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about Nora from this point forward, but she would have been a bridge to the new wave of Phil Nichols, Mike White, you know, all that nonsense. So what happened was for the betterment because the only Democrats that were elected this go, well, you got Dishman, who's part of the old school, uh, but he didn't wasn't contested. You've got Anitra Davis and Jeff Robinson, who were very outspoken against 214. They didn't set foot in 214. They wouldn't accept help from 214. So they were definitely anti-214 candidates. And then you've got Ray Dudley, which we'll have to wait and see where he falls. I, I, you know, that's yet to be seen. I don't, you know, from my point of view. But that's all I can say about that for now. Yeah, Um, right. Sure. I think 
I think most of the Democrats, I would say by the outcome or by the amount of people that was up there, I would say 95% of the Democrats want change. Yeah. They want the party to change. I've talked to a lot of precinct committeemen in the last few days and they want change. It's just they're scared of the Phil Nichols uh, regime. And a lot, you got to understand, a lot of these precinct committeemen have family members that work at the city. They work at the county. And if they speak out about Phil Nichols and Mike White and Michael Quirk, they're afraid that their family are going to lose their job. And that's, sure. that, and that's the thing with the good old boy system. If you do that, you're stuck for life with them. Yeah. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have any family that works for the city of Muncie. Right. I've got a lot of friends that work there or that I would consider friends. But as far as family working there, I do not have any family members working there that I know of. Uh, and if they are, they're way distant that I don't yeah. don't really know them. So um, as far as that goes, that's that's the reason the good old boy system does not work because it works if you want a dictatorship at Democrat headquarters. Right. It works for the dictatorship. It does not work if you want what's right for the city of Muncie. Sure. Well, you know, and I mean, I'll be honest that for I, I, that's not just a Democrat thing. I mean, Republicans get in office and they they put their their friends and their their family in office, and so that's that cuts both ways. And you know, I, I don't know that it will ever be stopped. But you are right when you are beholden to you know this person or that person for your position, your job, where your paycheck comes from. I mean, I get why people have a hard time standing up and speaking out, but you know. We've got to do something, or I'll put it to you this way. If this keeps happening, there will be no Democrats elected to office, and no one you won't have these jobs anyways. So, you Right, know. because if there's no more Democrats elected for a while, all these people that are Democrats that work for the city of Muncie, they're going to start retiring and getting older, and next thing you know, everything's going to be Republican, Through and attrition. the Democrats never will get back in. right. Unless we change it now. And I know you're a Republican and I'm a Democrat. And I've been asked several times, hey, come over to the Republican Party. Hey, come over to the Republican Party. Hey, we like what you're saying. You're talking straight. You're a straight shooter. You're not uh, trying to hide stuff. No, folks, I do not hide stuff. I will not hide stuff. It's, it's going to be out there. And I'm not going to sneak to the back room. Hey, come over here in the corner and talk to me. No, right. we're not doing that, you know. If you want to talk to me, if you can't talk to me face to face, we're not going to talk. Yeah. If you can't talk to me around all these other people, no, I'm not into that. Right. Now, if you got something to say, hey, you know, you got something hanging out your nose or something like that and want to whisper it to me, yeah, that's a little <laughs> different. Right. Well, and you know, I, I like the idea of having somebody who has some common sense and is willing to work and cooperate and talk on the other side. If we have 
it's beneficial. There's going to be Democrats and Republicans. There's going to be the, at least those two, if not more. And so for anybody that's a Republican, if there are good people in the Democrat headquarters and there are good people that are Democrats, first of all, if a loss does occur, it doesn't sting so much because, like, for example, for example, the District 2 City Council in Muncie. You had a Republican, Brandon Murphy, and you had a Democrat, Jeff Robinson. And the district up there won either way. If Brandon won, they were in good shape. And if Jeff won, they were in good shape. Now, Jeff ended up winning, and that's that. But they were both great candidates. That's what we need. We need to get it to where it's hard for people to make a decision on who to vote for because both candidates are great. They were they were both good candidates, and I've been accused of being a sore loser, this and that, and everything else. When they elected Hampton at the caucus, it's been a couple months now. I've never said nothing about that man until that man verbally attacked me the other night yeah. at Democrat headquarters. Did I come home and decide I'm going to find out about this gentleman and find out what kind of person he is? Yep, and. He was arrested several times in Bloomington. And finally, they went through with uh, one set of the charges because you can look at his criminal history and you can see he was arrested several times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the charges was dismissed. There was uh, uh, breaking and entering. There was illegal entry, all kinds of things. But the one that we're talking about now is the selling of uh, drugs. Yeah, marijuana and hashish oil. And he was a professor at Indiana University. Yeah. He was a professor at Indiana University. How do I know that he was not selling drugs to kids? And when I say kids, I mean students. And yes, I know they are adults, but they are still kids under their uh, parents' power and all this stuff. They are still considered kids in my case, the way I consider them. Right. And if they're in school, they're still kids. Yeah. And if he was selling drugs to, to students and kids at, at Bloomington, that is that that's that's unacceptable. It definitely is. It definitely is. And you know, one day marijuana may be legal, but until it is, it's illegal. And that's not my decision or anybody else's decision. But since he was charged and convicted it is what it is and you know that hopefully will be dealt with well audie we're getting ready to run out of time here so we're gonna have to wrap it up but if anybody's interested in finding you getting in contact with you or helping you take back the democrat party where can they get a hold of you at you can hit me up on facebook you can send me a text message my phone number is the same it's always been it's 765-744-0013 if anybody out there on the Democrat Party that is a precinct committeeman is interested in helping me do this, please get a hold of me. We will start doing it immediately. I don't care if you're from Muncie Resist. I don't care if you're from the old Democrats. I don't care if you're from Team Democrat. If you are a Democrat and you want the party to change for the better and get rid of the dictatorship that is up there right now, Get a hold of me, and we will do it. Very good. As a team, as a team, as a democracy, as a Democrat party, we will do it. Absolutely. 
Well, very good. Thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us tonight. Thank you, Christopher. And maybe, uh, maybe this time next week on a Saturday or something, I may have some have some interesting um, news. Interesting news I want to share with you. So Yeah, very good. Well, we'll definitely have you uh, back on anytime. And if anybody's got any questions, feel free to call me and ask me. You know, don't beat around on Facebook and, and slam me on Facebook. Call me and ask me about it, and I'll tell you. Absolutely. I'll tell you the truth. Yeah. I'll tell you the truth. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was the always outspoken Audie Barber with us talking for the last 30 or so minutes about how he's trying to take back the Democrat Party. And I think that's something that needs to happen. So, I don't know. What do you think? You think he ought to be the co-host to this wonderful little podcast? Let me know what your thoughts are on that. Get with me on Facebook. Call me, text me, message me. However, you know how to get a hold of me. You're listening to Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey, and we'll be right back after this quick break. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for this 54th episode of Perception is Reality. It's good to be back. We'll see you Tuesday as well. And uh, get in touch with me about the Audi Barber thing. We're going to add a co-host coming up soon, so just let me know who you think it needs to be, or maybe it needs to be him. I don't know. Until then, stay active, stay involved, continue to fight the good fight, and uh, get ready. We're going to be coming at you with some really good shows over the next couple months. Thank you all for tuning in. Continue to share the show perception.fireside.fm God bless, stay safe, and we'll talk to you again real soon. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey Email khbilbrey at gmail.com Or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796 Till next time, remember... Perception, Perception is, is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.